hi, this is Glenn Rawson. One of the most powerful ways to share history and heritage is by the telling of stories. We began sharing inspiring stories nearly 30 years ago. Each of those stories is true and was intended to inspire and strengthen faith. Over the years, those stories have reached millions around the world. This podcast is for you to listen, learn, and enjoy. How in the world do you focus the camera on yourself when you have to stand behind the camera to focus it? And when you're all by yourself, it's a little hard to focus. So if I'm not in focus, just squint and I'll show up. All right, now this first story, it's not really a story. It's more of an observation. Therefore, you are under no obligation to believe anything I'm about to say. And if it doesn't work for you, just toss it out. Okay, I need my props for this. Now, on a normal day when I'm not working and I'm just around the house here, or when I'm not on camera, and I don't have to be seen by a lot of people, as often as not, this is what I look like. Now, can you imagine a few years ago, walking into a bank looking like this? Nowadays, it's no big deal, but if I'd have done that a few years ago, I might have been shot before I ever reached the teller. But today, it's commonplace. Okay, I gotta take this off, because it's hot. <clears throat> well, I didn't need hair anyway. Now to continue, my grandson, Tucker, he's an adorable boy. When he was just a wee little boy, a little tot, he used to say, Grandpa, I love you like a fat kid loves cake. <laughs> that was hilarious. Now, all of that is to say, and you'll see where these thoughts connect in a minute, has the world ever been more universally health conscious than they are right now, the whole world, masks, vaccines, and conflict attest to the fact that everyone is worried. People are fighting about the masks. Do they work? Do I have to wear one? What's the best kind to wear? Some people are angry that they have to wear a mask and others are livid when others don't. And the vaccines. They're available, but again, while most are hoping and anxiously waiting to receive it, others are adamant that they won't have anything to do with it. Conflict erupts when vaccines aren't made available to who we want, when we want, or even if we want. We are witnessing right now, if you know what I mean, the largest concentrated inoculation of the population effort in history dosed out with toxic amounts of hate and invective. The anger is more sickening than the virus and the vaccine combined. Now, as to the conflict, and I hope you'll take this next part with a grain of salt. This last week, I received from my mother a family heirloom. It was a classic 22 caliber pistol that had once belonged to my dad, an Old West heritage style. Not thinking that this thing was any big deal, I went into a local hardware store wearing my mask, of course, 
and asked the manager if he had any ammunition for a 22. He stared at me like I was crazy. His next comments bordered on insulting as he explained that the last shipment of such ammunition was sold out in 15 minutes and none would be forthcoming, and that I was more or less an idiot for even asking. Well, I went to a specialty shop, and the clerk explained that people are rampantly stockpiling guns and ammunition at such a prodigious rate that supplies are non-existent. And all of this for our health and protection. Now, I don't judge. That's just what's going on, right? Now, like some of you, I have reached that age when things are starting to wear out and break faster than we can heal them up. I have to work twice as hard to be half as healthy as I used to. Well, not long ago, and here it is, I came to the startling revelation that I, me personally, I was passing by a great power to guard my health, protect my immunity, and keep me strong. This power was stronger and more potent than any vaccine, mask, or gun to protect my safety. I share it with you now. Do with it whatever you want. What's my great secret to lasting health, protection, and safety of the physical body? The blessing on the food each day. Hmm. In my life, the prayers over my meals were either skipped altogether if I was alone, or when I was with others, especially my family, were hurriedly accomplished with meaningless phrases in the Lord's name as my mouth watered. I'm just speaking personally. I have been leaving the power of God on the table with the potatoes. If what I'm saying to you right now is true, you will know that praying with faith and real intent over your food and for your health and protection in his name is a greater source of power than masks, mandates, vaccines, or even guns. God who created the world and us is stronger than any virus. That story isn't a story, but take it for what it's worth. If it's of any use to you, great. Now, again, an observation. I would like to know when the word cool in its present meaning entered the English language. It's been around as long as I can remember. We say, that's really cool, man. Well, not cool as in temperature, but cool as in really neat. Hmm. All right, the word cool as in really neat or wonderful. When did it enter the English language? I don't know. It's been around since I can remember. It has to have been somewhere in the late 50s or 60s. Have you ever thought about all the freight that comes with being cool? It has been said that hell is hot. I'm not so sure that's true, because you see, hell is described in Scripture as outer darkness. And if it's outer darkness, it's the absence of light. And if there's no light, 
there's no heat. And if there's no heat, then hell is cold, making hell a fitting place for most things that the world calls cool. For example, when Samuel the prophet was an old man, the elders of Israel came to him and asked him, make us a king to judge us. This request displeased Samuel, perhaps because he took it as a personal rejection. Israel had been under the reign of the judges now, and they wanted a king. Samuel took the matter to the Lord, and the Lord said, If they have not rejected thee, but have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. The Lord took their request for a king and not a, a judge or a prophet personally. To him, requesting a king was just another act of idolatry. Then the Lord told Samuel to give them what they wanted. If they wanted a king, they could have one. It would seem that if we are determined from this to injure ourselves, the Almighty's not going to stop us. Now, in spite of that, the Lord did instruct Samuel to warn the people as follows what that king would do. He said, he will take your sons and appoint them for himself. He will take your daughters. He will take your fields and your vineyards. He will take the tenth of your seed. He will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep. And most alarming of all the warnings, Samuel added, and ye shall be his servants. End of quote. Kings take. Big government gets bigger and it takes. The king would take all that they had, and finally he would take even the people themselves to sustain himself and the bloated government that would arise around him. Well, in spite of these ominous warnings, Israel refused to obey the voice of Samuel. Nay, they said to Samuel, but we will have a king over us. Stubborn and stupid, notwithstanding the Lord's warnings. And all that Samuel prophesied came to pass. Israel got their king, and their kings destroyed them, both in the northern and southern kingdom. Now, what could possibly have motivated Israel, the Lord's people, to so foolishly ignore the prophet and seek a king? The answer is found in what the people said to Samuel. They said, quote, Nay, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations. End of quote. It was status. They wanted to look cool. They wanted to be like everyone else. My friend, in my life, the word cool is dangerous because to be cool is too often to care more about for the opinion of others than we do of what the Lord thinks. To be cool is too often to follow the herd to hell. Whether it's kings then or clothes and toys and attitudes now. Cool is pride, and pride is deadly. The story's titled Coolness and the King. Next story. I hope that I'm not offending anybody. I don't think so. As I have shared before, I'm a convert. I've not always enjoyed the Society of the Saints, 
Coming out of the culture I was raised with into the culture of Christ was shocking and extremely difficult, and evidently not just for me, but for many converts. It can be a wrenching experience as evidenced by the fact that so many upon their conversion go back to their old life and their old friends. So what is it that helps the newcomers stay? Maybe this story in these difficult times will help. I share this story with Carla's permission. Carla came to Idaho to live when she was about nine years old. Her parents were not church-going people. Her grandmother, however, here or there in Idaho, was a woman of faith and immediately arranged for Carla and her siblings to be baptized, even though they scarcely understood what they were doing. Her mother then felt that if the children were going to profess religion, they ought to attend. So she began to take them to church and drop them off. It was awkward and difficult for a girl as young as Carla, but she soon made friends with Janice, who invited her to sit with her and her family. I know now I must have always smelled like smoke, Carla says, but they never made me feel different. Well, they kept saving her a place, week after week, month after month. Before long, Carla's mom quit taking the children to church, and they needed to find other means to get there. Eventually, Carla's brother quit going, and for a short time, so did her older sister. But Carla stayed. I always had a place, she said. I always felt like I belonged on that bench. I wasn't alone. I was comfortable there. And if by some chance Carla didn't come to church on a given Sunday, Janice's family would notice, and Janice would find her at school the next day and inquire about her absence. She was missed. Now you know this. Friends come and go, especially among teenagers, but Carla and Janice stayed close all through high school. Until she left for college, there was always a place for Carla in the Moreland Second Ward. On the pew, in the middle, toward the front. When the Apostle Paul spoke of us being no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, this had to be what he meant. This is how it works. I know you know this, but we go where we're wanted. We stay when we're welcomed, and we return when we're missed. Now, I'm going to do something a little different. I am going to share two stories that I normally would not share about the forces of evil. And unlike everything else I talk about, I'm going to ask you not to chime in and share your experiences of the same things. And I'm sure that some of you have had similar experiences to what I'm going to describe. If you want to share them, send them to me in an email, but do not please post them in the comments. Because to talk openly about Satan and evil is to invite him. Therefore, I ask you not to invite him. I share these stories 
because, well, it felt like the right thing to do. I ask you to listen, to respond if you like, but don't discuss it beyond what I'm about to say. You remember the prophet Joseph was quite descriptive of his encounter with Satan in the sacred grove. Now, he is not the only one who has ever been so attacked. This is the first of two stories I will share tonight. I heard this story a long time ago. I searched and searched and searched to find an authoritative source on this story. In 1936, Elder Rudger Clausen, president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, related the following experience in an article in the Church News of the Deseret News. He said, and I quote, On one occasion, I heard the late apostle Mariner W. Merrill, president of the Logan Temple, relate this extraordinary incident. He was sitting in his office, Elder Clausen said, when he noticed from the window a company of people coming up the hill to the temple. As they entered the temple grounds, they presented rather a strange appearance, not only in dress, but in their mode of travel. Some were riding on horses, others were in conveyances, and still others were afoot. He wondered who they could be, as he was not looking for a company of such size that particular morning. In fact, it says he wondered how they would accommodate all of them in the temple at first. Then Elder Clausen said, quoting Elder Merrill, they dismounted from their horses, stepped down from their conveyances, put their animals under the shade, and walked about complacently as if they had a perfect right to be there. A little later, a person unknown to Brother Merrill entered the room. Brother Merrill said to him, Who are you? And who are these people who have come up and taken possession of the temple grounds unannounced? The individual answered and said, I am Satan, and these are my people. Brother Merrill then said, What do you want? Why have you come here? Satan replied, I don't like the work that is going on in this temple and feel that it should be discontinued. Will you stop it? Brother Merrill answered and said emphatically, No. We will not stop it. The work must go on. Since you refuse to stop it, I will tell you what I propose to do, the adversary said. I will take these people, my followers, and distribute them throughout this temple district, and will instruct them to whisper in the ears of people persuading them not to go to the temple, and thus bring about a cessation of your temple work. Satan then withdrew. President Merrill, commenting on this strange interview with the evil one, said, still quoting Elder Clausen, that for quite a period of time, the spirit of indifference to temple work seemed to take possession of the people, and very few came to the house of the Lord. The presumption was that Satan had carried out his threat, which caused a temporary lull in the temple work. It is not to be wondered at that Satan, who is the enemy of all righteousness, is displeased with temple work, end of quote. That's Deseret News, December 12th, 1936. Thank you for listening. Many of the stories you heard today have been published and are archived at glenrossonstories.com. 
If you would like more information, you can communicate with us there. We will be back again with another podcast next week.